Welcome to your typical Shonen protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kells, and we continue our travels through Sad Boy September with a silent voice. First off, Kai, are you okay? How the, how, how do you think I am, sir? After <laughs> being like, let's watch a silent voice. The movie I purposely avoided. For what year is it? 2022 now? Yeah, the movie I purposely avoided for six years of my life. Yeah. I'm not okay. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited uh because what what could possibly be going easy in my life that I can't make worse by feeling things. And a silent voice makes you do just that. And it's it's very exciting. It's very I don't know. Um I I I'm glad we have an opportunity to engage with emotions uh by choice. Yeah, even when the even, even when those emotions come at the at the cost of watching a, a thing that oh is draining, it's a challenge. Like okay, so it is a. I feel like it's such an experience that like it's 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 like childbirth. It's beautiful that it happened, <laughs> but like <laughs> the process is just such a an experience. You know, and I'm never birthed a child, so this is all loosely speculative. But like going into this, I was not everybody like told me what it was, and I knew what it was, so I made sure I avoided it because I was like, I just the way my six years have been, I have not had the emotional capacity to really deal with this. But it was something I feel like I should have watched when I was going into that deep, deep turmoil, like because it was so much. But, like, it was so beautiful as well. Like, I love this. Like, this is a great experience. That sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, A Silent Voice coming out in 2016 out of uh, Kyoto Animation is a, is, a, is a film that really deals with... It's a, it's a coming-of-age story about a punk kid who was an enormous asshole to a disabled student. Yes, huge asshole. Like the and biggest. him him getting his comeuppance when everyone turns on him. And then he winds up growing up through middle school and high school as a loner. And that's where we kind of really begin our story with uh, Shoya Ishida trying to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And well, that's, that's where just, we started. Yeah. Yeah. We, we start with this kid on his way to jump off a bridge after selling all of his shit and working to pay off the debt he incurred to his mother for being an asshole to this disabled student um, who it was uh, deaf. And that's just like where we open the film. Like, oh, where can we go from here but sideways? <laughs> well... It's the story does it's it's so much and it's like it's wild because we go from we like save a lot of time. What this does is that a lot of things do differently is we kind of get we kind of get the story tells like and it starts in the middle. We see that he's trying to kill himself in like the first three minutes, you know, and it's a lot of a tell don't sh- or show don't tell. Because we get confirmation that's what he was doing later when his mom throws the money back at him. But our main character, Shoya, is feeling all this pain and this anguish. Like, he's a very remorseful character because he, the tables were turned. And we get to see him already choosing this better life. Or this not this better life, but this different path from the beginning. So we get a lot of time saved from going with the, like, oh, we got to see what caused him that because we find out through the story as we meet people. And it kind of just works this way in not really a sequential order, but, like, it works really well for this movie. Yeah, kind of opening with a hook and then taking us back to explain how we got here. And that only taking up about a half hour of two hours of runtime. Like, that was interesting for me, you know, really with the length of the film, too. Typically, you know, we're dealing with with movies that are, you know, maybe 90 minutes or so. But this was a full cinematic two hours. And, you know, it 
needed and used every second of that uh, incredibly effectively. I agree. I agree. Um, and, like, it showed a good side of, like, you know, because we see a lot of these characters as kids, and then we kind of flash forward to who they are as adults. And just kind of seeing that, well, not adults, I guess you'd say, well, yeah, they're about 18. They're about 18. Um, yeah, so they're elementary school kids, and then they've moved on to being, you know, towards the end of their high school career. Um, so we we get to see them grow up and, and change and deal with what happened previously. Yeah, because we see that Shoko is 19 um, at the end of this, or at some point during this, she has had her 19th birthday when she's doing her kimono stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, during the during the, uh, the the summer festival, she's turned 18. We find that out. Yeah. Now, huh. before we get deep into the story, we do have to talk about the fact that this film is gorgeous. Yes. Kyoto Annie putting in the absolute work making this uh not not only crazy in terms of the the themes and plot and and evocative uh emotions but it also is absolutely gorgeous visually talk about that yes so a big theme of this movie is that our main character Koya as he's older, he can't really look at people's faces. He's always looking down, so he doesn't see what they look like. So everybody has, like, this X over their face, except, like, a few characteristic people. And it's just the way that that's protruded and done, how it looks like it's actually, like, drawn on with a marker while the integrity of the actual character stays what it is. It's just really masterful, and it's something that you can only, like, really expect to see in, like, that studio quality from Kyo Annie. And... The characters in general, like you can always tell when a character is done by Kyoto Animation because, like, they just have this certain, like, finesse in their way with a pen. But they always have uniqueness as well to each character. Like, we see um, our character Shoko, who is the main girl. Like, she has this, like, reddish hair. And then it's, like, the transitioning of the lengths. And we see, like, even when she switches to a ponytail, it just looks so elegant in the way it flows. And then we see, like, the mom with her, like, blonde hair and, like, her black patch. And then just seeing all these characters and just, it's just such a, like, masterful showing. And then the environment and the water and the koi fish and the bread. It is a spectacle. Like, it is a absolute spectacle. You know what blew me away? Koi fish? It, it, no. It was the chromatic aberration where you begin to have color separation at the edges of the frame as if it were like an actual camera lens, but in a piece of animated media, they went and applied that technique mm -hmm. to an animation that blew my fucking mind. They kill it, bro. Like, Kyo Annie is just on a, like, they're one of the OGs, but they just... They just hold their own, like, and this was really a masterclass flex of them, I feel like. Like, all all props to, like, just the whole group, but, like, Fushio, Futoshi Nishima, who was a character designer, just went off with the character design, and then Mushoko, or Musho Shinohara, the art director, like, just... And then Naomi Isha, she's the color design. I can just go, like, Kazuka Tako, the director <laughs> of photography, I can just go on and on about the group. But, like, it's just, it's just a, such a master class, man. And it's, like, it was so, a lot of things, like, I'll say this, like, Demon Slayer, it, you can say that Demon Slayer is carried by animation. is like a lot of people do. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can say that because the animation is just so... Euphoria will be Euphoria voting. And same thing with Fate. Like, they just, it's just so amazing to look at. But, like, with a silent voice, the art and animation did not take away from the story at all to the point where, like, prior to the podcast, you were like, we got to talk about how stunning it was. I was like, oh, yeah, it was beautiful. Because none of that <laughs> overshadowed the actual story and the presentation of everything. 
Like it was like the story was the forefront, and I felt like that was because making sure your art and animation everything is not overpowering, and the story is in the art itself. I feel like that's another thing Kyo Annie does like incredibly well, and dare I say, the best in the game, honestly. Yeah, all of that that creative camera work and and cinematic uh, effort was simply for the viewer to be sucked into the story even more. Now, while we're talking about uh, the production of it, let's briefly talk about the cast, which, you know, a great uh, Japanese voiceover cast. But you were talking about, oh, of course our uh, main heroine is voiced by somebody in particular. Yes. Our main heroine, Shoko Nishimiya, is voiced by Sahori Hayami who is just my woman, man. Like, if, if, listen, next to Aimer, like, two most, listen, okay. So, this beautiful angel herself has literally voiced so many iconic characters for me, like, such as... Yeah, like, female student from Clan Ad. You know it, man. Like, student C from that one other thing you were talking about. But... No, in a serious note, she's Shinobu from Demon Slayer. You gotta love it. She's Yor from Spy Family. You gotta love it. She's Ruby Rose from the Ice Kingdom anime. You gotta love it. She's Teresa from Rising of the Shield Hero. Like, she's Yui Gahama from... Or not... Sorry, not Yui Gahama. She's um Yui from... Orihime slash... Is it wrong? Not is it wrong? People girls are on My team... My, my teenage snafu, like yeah, yes, brain overload. Um, she's Blizzard from One Punch Man. She's Yumiko from Kagagiri. Come on, man! Like she just like she kills it in every role that she's in, and like she is by far my favorite voice actor in all of just voice acting because she just it's like a unique but beautiful voice, and like we gotta we gotta give the queen her flowers. Would you be surprised if I told you she was Emmy Igawa from Your Lion April? No, because I think I saw that, but all at the same time, I was surprised because, like, oh, yeah, she's the redhead dress. Yeah, I knew it. See, when I watched it, I was like, <laughs> yep, yep, I'm resonating with this. And, like, the only inkling I can give Boruto is that she is Himawari, which is ironic because I was like, Himawari is the only character I like. Before I knew she was the voice actor. True story. True story. Lord of mercy. So, she's just the tops. Um, and you can know from my teen romantic comedy snafu, because I just butchered that earlier, but I just wanted to give it, like, the correct love. And you know what, man? In Sound Euphonium, she's Haruko Oragashira, who is the tenor sax player. She plays tenor and Barry sax. So, uh. like, how can I not, man? How can I not? <laughs> But for Mark this out, instance, fanboy. Mark out. <laughs> <laughs> but in this instance, she's Shoko Nishimiya, who's just a, just a cupcake. And I will, listen, man, I was ready to fight some 2D pictures up in here, bro. <laughs> like these little badass kids. <laughs> and the teacher, I've, the teacher is who I hate the most in this. Like, hold on. We'll, we'll get to it. Okay. Yes. Um, with, with her performance as um, Shoko, it it really it she does an incredible job of of portraying what this story needs her to portray about a voice actor for a blind character or not a blind character excuse me a deaf character and and you know th- that comes with a lot of things and i think this is done incredibly well so let's let's finally get into the story <laughs> yes okay so the story focuses around our two main characters, Shoya and Shoko. And they are both in sixth grade. I believe the sixth grade when the story takes place. And Shoko is a transfer into the school and she is deaf. So, um, you know, there comes with a lot of things for that. And it's kind of a story of children not really understanding they say, but I mean, like, come on, like, these are some badass kids. Like, I don't, I don't believe it for a second, but anywho, um, so our boy show Shoya, 
Um, not our boy, sorry. He's a prick at this point. But Shoya is just seeing how she's being treated by the other students and then starts treating her that way um, based on kind of re- not even really peer pressure, but just situational awareness, which is sad. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, this this is worse than that. Shoya is like, oh, she's different. Let me, I don't know, fuck with her for attention and and uses his little gang to team up on her in a way that gets laughs from the other students in class. I mean, yeah. He's the master in mind. But yeah. he's not the only one who did it. That's yeah. kind of one of the points of the film. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And the, this kind of bullying goes so far as where they're ripping out... Um, they're ripping out her hearing aids and then throwing them out of the fucking window. And apparently they go through eight hearing aids before this gets becomes a real problem that is like brought to the school. Mm-hmm. And hearing aids are expensive. So oh, these, yeah. these little, for lack of a better word, bitches. Um, I have other words, but they're just probably not fit. Um, so these little severe punk-ass children, yes, little punk-ass bitches, um, are out here like just harassing our girl Shoko, and Shoko is just being the best little cupcake she can be, and you know, apologizing and trying to like you know still be friends with them and be nice to them because she like you know she doesn't understand, and like they're just like it's almost it's like so infuriating because you're like you don't want to believe that people like this can exist and they definitely do yeah yeah. absolutely like if if this this anime also confirmed that if i have kids kells and like they come home what's up i'm ain't ain't no eight hearing aids it's one hearing aid (laughs) and (laughs) and a bat (laughs) that's what's happening like i'm i'm gonna pull and you know like Yae, her mom, Shoko's mom. I listen. A lot of people would have been like that scene where she pulled the earring out. No, I agree. I was like, <sighs> anyway. So, oh man. So and and this is this is this is crazy too. Um, the the whole thing with with uh, Shoya, you know, being this real asshole, and uh, Shoko still still signing like be my friend and him going you weirdo even to the point where they're getting in a fight in the classroom just not not able to communicate their frustrations with words and not being able to handle that they just get into like something that looks like a fist fight mm-hmm. <sighs> and the fact that like she was just wiping the stuff off his desk is what gets me like and he just was couldn't couldn't take it. So like and so anyway, this whole thing happens and the school is made aware that Shoko is being bullied by these group of kids. And when the teacher's like, Stand up, Shoko, we know it's you, even though the teacher has watched all these microaggressions happen and everything and doesn't choose to say anything until the principal gets involved. So stands up and is like, Hey, you know, we know it's you, Shoko, like, very aggressively. And he stands up. He's like, well, it wasn't just me. It was, like, everybody else. And then the other worst girl, Miki, <laughs> is like, it wasn't me, and starts crying. So she gets the sympathy. Uno, the worst girl, just says, hey. yeah, it was, it was him. And then the two boys, Kazuki... Is like I told him to stop when he really didn't, and Kisie, he just didn't say anything. He's just he's just a whole bitch. So they kind of let him take the brunt of it, and so he has to go home. And you know he gets a call from the school, and the mom's the mom gets a call from school, and she's like, "Yo, are you doing this?" And he's like, "Whatever, blah blah blah." I went swimming. And she's like, "No, we're going to go apologize right now." She gets out one point seven yen. And I looked that up. That's $12,000. Yeah, for eight fucking hearing aids? I'm not surprised. It's I Actually, I'm surprised it's not more. Well, Japan has better be- health care, so it probably translates to 
something crazy. Yeah, and that's you, the current. Have, what's that? Yeah, you have you have some kind of compensation by the government. Yeah, you, know, you have and, like a deductible to meet and, and whatnot. Yeah, and the translation yeah. rate's probably different since this was in 2016 opposed to 2022. 20, so you know, eight years. I'm sure it's probably fluctuated from the dollar but anyway yeah but just just whips out 12 grand to give to her her uh to shoko's mother to compensate for the lost hearing aid which is probably the money she was saving because you see that like it's her hair salon and everything and you know it's like she works out of her house i wonder i don't remember was she always working out of her house or did she transition to the house after she had to pay the twelve thousand? No, she was working out of her house, so so okay. it's kind of this whole shop set up where the bottom floor is is the the hair salon, and then like the top floor is the family dwelling. Yeah, they be doing that in Japan, but like the fact that she had to do her hard earned money to pay for her child's mistakes, like and you know it's just so he starts getting and then Shoya, um, it, the really turn point is when. Shoko's ears start bleeding when they rip out her hearing aids in class. And there's just mm-hmm. blood flowing, and everybody's like, is she okay? And it's like, oh, you took it too far, and blah, blah, blah. Like, and that's, like, that's a lot, you know? It's just, and, ooh, I, I still never forgave Shoya. Like, I'm just like, I know they're kids, like, and I did feel bad for him, but I was like, a part of me still don't forgive you, bro, because, like, even when I was little, like, I was not like this. And I don't believe you were either. Like, I don't believe that, like, you know, like, there were no kids who really stood up for her. Like, there was one, and then she got bullied to go to another school. Like, anyway, anyway. Yeah. Um, The one other thing with, with uh, Shoya's mother compensating uh, Shoko's family is not only did she give her the money, but Shoko's mom took her aside out of sight and then yanked her fucking earring out. Mm-hmm. And that was the turning point for Shoya. His mom was like, and you're not going to be a problem again, are you? No. No, you're going to be a good boy now. That in combination of the class selling him out, mm-hmm. rightly so. He's the asshole that was doing all of this shit, but he wasn't the only one. Mm-hmm. That so. made him a pariah. That made him an exile. He was now the butt of every joke, and he was the the object of being bullied from then on through the end of his time in middle school. As you know, as I'm not saying as it should have been, but like you know, it's yeah. It, it's hard it's hard to make that call because it's like yeah fuck you man but it's like equally just because he did something wrong does he deserve this kind of uh treatment i don't know i don't think that was a good solution uh but fuck kids anyway they're all assholes yes every single one like i again <laughs> i come with a bat but so in this process, it's caused um, Shoya to kind of look into himself and kind of contemplate things, you know, as he's making this bucket list. And he's like, you know, I'm going to, you know, kill myself because life's not worth it. So he empties out his bank account, like we said before, gives the money to his mom, cleans his room, like um, takes all of the days off the calendar, like Bruh, sells, sells all his, his fucking He sells his fucking bed. Mm-hmm. Like sells all of his possessions to put this money together and sells his bed so that there's nothing left to kind of be a burden or keep him around. Because mm-hmm. where he's going at the end of, I think it was like April or something, where he's going, he doesn't need any of that. <sighs> yeah. So that was dark. That's how he started it. And then you find out one thing that he had to do on his bucket list was give the book back to Shoko, you know, the one that he threw in there that that was on his bucket list. He wanted to apologize to her. And it was kind of crazy that that was like really the turning point for him is when he saw her, you know, he was like, wow, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, you know, that's the easy way out. Him kind of feeling that like remorse. It's not really said what was the turning point, but I interpreted that it was like, him 
And then the added insurance of his mom telling him, like, why would you do that? Like, I'll burn this money right now. Why would I want your blood money, you know, and all that? So, so he goes and he's like, okay, you know, I, I can't do that. I can't take the easy way out. I got to fight. I got to struggle, yada, yada. So he goes to, um, goes back to school. He starts trying again and he sees like this person getting their bike stolen. So he's like, you know, um, he tried at first thinks about intervening and they're like, Oh, what can I do? So he just goes, you can take my bike. And, that kind of starts a beautiful friendship between him and Tomohiro. Yeah, Tomohiro. Yeah, and this is the first friendship that he's had since this entire exile because that, that whole thing happened in middle school. He was the butt of every joke. And then when they moved into high school, his quote-unquote former friends told everyone, oh, yeah, you shouldn't hang out with him. He's a bully. So in his entire high school career he's just been a loner and kind of not by choice yes and like you could even say this is his first real friend honestly like yes because he's there even when they're shouting and everything and he like literally told like tomohiro is the goat bro he is the mvp of the movie in my opinion he helps shoto um you know get her peace and saying everything he helps him out and shows him what a friend is like He's really out here, like, combating all the devilish bullshit that Umino is, like, putting out here. Like, <sighs> but anyway, so, yeah, he's, like, Shoya's, like, yo, I have found a friend. I am somewhat seeing life differently. I want to talk to Shoko. Like, you know, I want to keep getting it. And he has taught himself sign language as recompense. Um, or just, you know, to teach himself sign language in order to communicate with Shoko about what's happening which is crazy i feel like that's such a like underlying like thing like an underappreciated thing that this man literally like as much as i hate what he did and like it makes me want to hit him with a bat the kid version which i don't know if i should say that but <laughs> like it seems so genuine his like remorse because he actually you don't wholeheartedly learn a whole language to apologize to someone like you know that is a whole effort that is a whole, and he seems very fluent understanding it too. Like, so he really did this. Like, he really put effort into that. And I'm like, that's admirable. You know, who made didn't do that? She just learned, uh, what was it, bitch? Like, bitch ass or something? No, it was Baka. And Ueno, we'll, we'll get to this, but Ueno was, uh, the little girl that was right there, neck and neck with Shoya with this whole uh, bullying bullshit. And as they go through life, you know, we, we, we finally gather back and have to, have to reconcile and deal with everything that's happened with these characters. And, and that's a challenge. Um, now, speaking on that whole sign language thing, this is one of those things that I think this film does incredibly well and is one of the things that make it so successfully unique. Is because we have we have a character with a disability, we get to look at kind of we get shown a lot of the parts of that, and and for me, not only having you know sign language be be a part, but also let's talk about sign language, and then we'll talk about her uh talk about Shoko actually speaking. Yes. So the sign language part for me is incredibly interesting because it gives uh you know an able-bodied viewer who is not uh f fluent in sign language that sense of strangeness and disconnection uh, of of missing out on the communication which is a very big part of uh, of being deaf right that's the challenge of being deaf not being able to communicate with the spoken word so having uninterpreted sign language uh, be taken very seriously in this film. I think that did an incredible job of of communicating that sense of uh, of missing out to the average viewer. How do you feel about that? No, I agree a hundred percent. Like, and the fact that that is like something I was like, man, I wish there were subtitles. I was like, oh. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And the fact that this actually inspired me 
to go and learn sign language. Like, I'm seriously actually doing this now just because I don't want to be in that position to like where I might need it one day and don't have it. And I feel like it's a good skill to had, have. I hate in our high school that wasn't a class, but at my sister and some of my sibling classes, it was offered and they took it. And um, my sister can actually not is like super fluent, but knows the basis to communicate as a social worker. You actually have to know sign language in the state that she's moving to. So I'm like, that's super dope. So she's like reskilling that, but also has a lot of basics down. And I'm like, you know, I should learn sign language because, you know, I never want to be in a position where someone might need help and I can't understand them. So like, granted, by that logic, why don't you learn every language? Shut up. That's what eh. something that Zog would say. <laughs> like, but um, um, no, no, but I, I think that 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 is that is a a great thing, and and hopefully a film like this, that's part of the intention is to inspire people, uh, to approach, um, a more equitable experience for all, and part of that comes with learning, uh, about the challenges and techniques of communicating, uh with with different individuals um and i think that's great and one of the ways they really show this challenge is not only with the untranslated sign but also with shoko attempting to speak because she knows japanese and and she can hear a bit yeah. which is why she has hearing aids she can she can hear a bit but it's not anything uh, substantial and it's getting so, worse i believe as we see and we we definitely because as you know in, in uh middle school she has two hearing aids by the time we get to high school we see her at the doctor and then we only see her with one and that's a, that's kind of a, a signal that her hearing is is deteriorating even even farther but hearing hearing this mumbled inaccurate speech is so incredibly heart-wrenching Yes, especially when she's like apologizing to Shoya's mom about something that happens later. Like that ended me, man. And, you know, I know we had talked about if we had watched a dubbed or sub and I said I watched it sub and you were like, good. Um, Actually, in the dub, the person who voices Shoko was actually death. And I thought that was a really good choice that the English, um, English cast made is giving a death person that know opportunity to do that and kind of convey it even more so i'm definitely gonna have to rewatch this in english and yeah <laughs> hate my life even more um but now those moments were really hard and this is like it's to anyone listening like we're, we're not tell i'm not saying don't watch this because it is like <laughs> i know especially as we as we begin to spoil all of it over time <laughs> yes yes um as strange and his wife would probably say this is something sad, and they might not want to watch it because they don't want to be sad. But it's more so beautiful than sad, I would say. It is heart-wrenching because it's real. And the things, like, unlike, you know, um, with the exception of Your Lie in April, but unlike Plastic Memories, and unlike, I guess that's the only other one we did. But unlike those animes, like some of the other sadder animes we've watched, this one is, like, very realistic. There's no, like, sense of wonder. There's no fantasy dreamland. There's no notes. There's no notes in this one. Thank God, by the way. <laughs> I, was, I got to the end of it. I was like, yes, no notes. Um, but, uh, there's like just so realism. Like you could really see yourself in this situation. There's like so much humanity in this movie and the human nature. And especially like with some of the scenes where it's like, you know, you can't hear the fireworks, but you can still feel them. Or, like, just the students being rude and yelling in her ear. Or just, like, you know, falling in love with someone who treats you like crap. And just so much, you know. It's it's a lot. And I, I just feel like... I feel like this movie needs to be watched, right? It should be one of those stupid things. Not the movie is a stupid thing, but you know, in high school, we had to read those stupid books, like A Slow Way Home and all that stuff for whatever reason. This should be something that should be shown in high schools, like, and just in every age group, like the horrors and dangers of bullying and just like 
acceptance because there's a lot of people with disabilities who do go through this stuff in real life that isn't seen. And like, I'm glad this movie was made. I'm glad it exists. And I know this is a big detour from the characters, but like, it's just something, you know, like this movie is just such a, such a good thing for the world. I feel like. Yes. And it lost the boss baby at the Oscars. Fuck everything. What? Yes. (laughs) But that's a whole nother rant. Another time. Next week on Sad Boy September, we talk about Boss Baby. Fuck. <laughs> no. Um. Uh, yeah. No. There is. There is. This entire film is messy, and that's the that's the great thing about it. Not not only do we deal with do we deal with uh, themes of bullying and disability and everything that goes along with that. Um, like, like I can't get over the fact that, you know, um, the, the middle school teacher had Shoko read from a section of the book and then had Shoya read from a section of the book and he was just being a big asshole mimicking her muddled speech. And that's just the way that they showed little Shoya being an asshole. Mm -hmm. And it's like. That's how you make us hate him. And then the rest of his story arc throughout the entire film is a redemption story where he is he is genuinely committed to making amends with Shoko. Mm-hmm. And we just go from there. And then all of the interactions with all of the characters from the, that have to deal with what happened in the past is crazy. Some of them are taking responsibility. Some of them are uh, shunning uh, their involvement. Some of them are like, I don't like you. I've never liked you. I still don't like you. And some of them never come back, which I thought the never come, the characters that don't get redemptions, that don't get re-included, I'm glad they involve those characters mm-hmm. as, a, as a plot point. I agree. Cause, cause it really plays into the fact that that just because life does get better, that doesn't mean that it's got to be the same way that it was. Which is some of the hang up for some of the characters that it all go back to how it was before, and life continues. Life changes. People grow and deal with new experiences, and that's one of the major themes of this film is is growth over time. Yes. And- now. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, now you go ahead. Um, now, with that, that's not to say that everything that's happened somehow just goes away. And we see that when we have the plot points about suicide. We open the film with Shoya going to the bridge to jump the fuck off. And then he changes his mind, and we get the rest of the film. But towards the end of the two hours we spend with these characters, we have this whole thing where um, Shoko's mom is very protective and apprehensive about uh, Shoya being anywhere near her daughter. Rightfully so. Yeah, no, fuck that man. Um, But, you know, uh, the the two sisters uh, convince their mom that it's okay and have him over for birthday dinner because he helped with the thing. And they invite him out to the uh, the fireworks festival, the, the kind of summer festival. And it's, at, it's during this fireworks festival that things go off the rails unexpectedly. Right? We're having a good time. We're, we're doing the festival vibe. We're watching the fireworks. The mom and the little sister get up to go get food of some sort. And Shoko's like, hey, I'm going to go. And Shoya's always like, okay, cool, yeah. Uh, they've got this whole sign for, for Matane, like, see you later. And she doesn't return the sign. She doesn't say, I'll see you later. She's like, all right, bye. And we, okay, what's going on here? What's happening? The little sister asks him to go back home to get her camera, and that's when... He finds Shoko about to jump off the balcony and commit suicide. And it's like, 
I mean, I knew shit was rough. Mm-hmm. I didn't know we were at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's after, you know, from from Shoya's perspective, all of this growth and good times and friendship, presumably. And for this to just happen without, you know, him knowing about it um, really speaks to a, a disconnection between individuals, right? You will only ever see what a person is presenting. Yes. And that was... Uh, along the... Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, that was such like a real thing for me. Like, as someone... And I feel like everybody's had their own personal battle with depression and things like that. But if someone, you know, who has gone through it and is normally a cheer and jovial person, you know, like sometimes you try and tell people that you're depressed and everything. They're like, no, you're not. You're just like having a bad day. Like you're X, Y, Z. You're so happy and everything. So I really loved how it showed like how this kind of just happened out of nowhere. Like it wasn't like a build up or like signs. And then like it was just like, oh, wow, you know, I'm feeling this way. And I didn't even know, like, you know, I didn't even know. Like, I'm pretty sure the average viewer was shocked because Shoko was always so happy and apologizing, yet she was fighting this own struggle, you know? And, like, the fact that you hear Yuzua say, you know, I thought if I took these pictures to Shoho, you know, she would stop wanting to die or trying to kill herself. And you find out ever since she was a kid, when she hand-signed to her mom that she didn't want to live anymore, that shit was crazy! Yeah, man. And and it is a buildup that you never see just because it's so incredibly personal and it's so incredibly separate. Um, and man, that whole thing, because uh, cinematic storytelling, man, the whole thing with Yuzuru's whole, uh, you know, photo collection where she's taking pictures of dead things she finds on the side of the road. In an attempt to convince you, uh, Shoko not to kill herself, like she was doing this entire art gallery like ritual to to like, the, here's death, don't die, and even that didn't work. And that's mm-hmm. that, that's that's what fucked me up too, man. Is here's this little sister striving to do whatever she can think of to help her older sister, but it's not her fault, and there's nothing she could have done. Because she wasn't the cause of this. But that that's something you can't deal with. You can't deal with having no control over a situation. And that's just as just as rough as as dealing with the the situation itself. Right. Mm-hmm. That's 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 what I hate personally, is is not only when there are situations and it's not my fault. Like that is and that's a huge thing, you know. <sighs> it's not something that you know she can change, you know, and it's like, and that's why I hate Umino so much. It's like you were like saying, I didn't like how she didn't take a hand. I didn't like how she felt different. Like she didn't even try and understand me. Like I get it, but you didn't try to understand her, you know. But first, before you ask for something, you should make sure you be able to give it. Like that's the common courtesy and the fact that like this girl is like. She has friends, she has everything, and she just targets Shoko because she feels indifferent or whatever. Like, you offered to take the notes for her, you know? Like, you didn't, she didn't ask you, and then you got mad because, like, you didn't try and communicate with her. Like, when they were offering the sign language class, only one person took it. And it kind of gave me those, like, when, and then when we see Shoyo or Shoko, not Shoko, um, Oh my God, Ishidia, uh, name. Come on. Um, when we see our main character, Shoki, Shoki, Shoya, Lord Jesus, Shoya, so, so, yeah. so many S's. But um, when we see Shoya, kind of on the bridge and he's going off on everybody, it's kind of really reminiscent of Anohana to me when everybody was talking about their past transgressions, transgressions. Wow, I need a nap. Transgressions of the whole. Bullying Shoko, like you got Miki, who is the oh I'm innocent, I never did anything type girl, and literally resorts to bath mouthing and spreading rumors the second she feels pressure, and then you've got Umino saying you know I never did anything blah blah blah, or we all did it equally, but who cares you know you're the one suffering Shoya, and it's just so much going on, and you just like. No one sees that Shoko feels bad and responsible for this because everybody's too preoccupied with themselves. Except my boy Tomohiro, the goat. Love him. 
Um, but everybody <laughs> has like their own thing. And then you got Saikoshi, who is like the new person who's just kind of here. And, you know, facts were said and everybody ends up hating Shoya again because it's just like this whole thing. And that kind of put me back in mind to Anohana when they're all just kind of blaming each other for everything. And then you realize at the end of the day, you know, it's I'm not saying it's no one's fault because it's obviously it's someone's fault. But you kind of realize that, you know, we were all children, the transactions of a child you know, can't really be held to that, you know, standard because there is this, there is that. So yeah, m- more more to say that you are responsible for your actions, but as you grow, there is room to learn and have a chance for redemption. And that's kind of the whole plot point there is that, yes, Shoya was a true asshole to this deaf kid. But over the film, we see him put in the effort to make up for his actions. And we see that, you know, with that effort, the different ways that that is dealt with by other individuals. Because given the opportunity, Shoya would not be involved with any of the other schoolmates. Like, fuck everybody else. I'm gonna do what I've gotta do to, like, make it up to Shoko. But, you know, as Japan is densely packed, you don't have a choice. You run into these people. You, Mm -hmm. You encounter them. And that brings up uh, that brings up the history, but absolutely, um, that ch- you have the opportunity to learn from your mistakes, especially the mistakes of being a child and growing, um, which we all have done. We all have had experiences that we have learned from and would not make the same mistakes again, uh, as a, as a grown adult. True. <sighs> now, the biggest thing is to, cl- to close us out, we have. The suicide attempt. Yeah. The second suicide attempt of the film, where Shoko is trying to jump off the balcony. And oh my God, we get cinematic as fuck with Shoko or Shoya like trying and running and attempting, banging himself off the table, reaching past the curtain, seeing the curtain wave out of the way. And you see Shoko. Uh, Shoko the curtain waves in front of the window and waves back out and there's no Shoko. Oh my God. Is she going to die? This was the most suspenseful, suspenseful, uh, suspenseful moment of the entire film. Yeah. What's going to happen? Are we about to see this character die? And if she does, what's going to happen for the rest of the film? I have already seen... I want to eat your pancreas. I don't like where this is going. I was trying to tell you, you're lying. April, like, it's too much. <laughs> too much. Um, and just, But he, he reaches over the balcony and grabs her by the arm. To which, oh my God, are both of them about to die? Or is one going to die and the other going to be saved? What's going to happen here? Yes, and the fact that this man is asking for his all. Like, he yells Shoko, like, as, like, the first time he yells her name, he's like, Shoko, you know, the first time. And he's running, and it seems like time is slowing down, and he gets there, and he sees her, and you think that she's not, he's not going to make it because she's already down. And then you just see the cut, like, the suspense that I had, the clenchness of my buttocks was... Just so clinched. It was clinched <laughs> to the max. But the oh fact God. that this man asked for strength, he's like, please, you know, I'll look at people's faces. I'll stop running from tomorrow. I'll listen to their voices. Just everything in the cinemags of us going through this and the picture of his mom and the picture of, like, everybody. And he manages to pull her up. And the last thing that he sees is her and her flowers in the classroom and then you see her reach up to kind of choose life and with her other arm. And he pulls her up, but, like, he ends up falling in the process. And you know what fucked me up the most was, like, when she looks what? back down, I was like, yo, she looks so beautiful in this moment with her hair down. I'm like, God, get your head in the game. But, like, just- <laughs> yeah, the man's literally falling to his death. <laughs> But I was like, why they make her look so elegant in that shot and her kimono with her hair down? But, yeah. Because that 
his effort was worth it, I guess. Um, they, but no, like to to see him to see him pull strength from the depth of his core, and her choose life, and then work together to get her back over the railing. But that causing him to lose his balance, to fall off the balcony into the water where we don't know what's happening. Man, I I don't know. I did. So I thought that the whole water thing was like an allegory. Yeah. And that he like hit the pavement and was just regular ass dying. Same. Same. I thought. But with, with it. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I thought that as well. And I thought as well that like the, I thought that the, since the river was something he just fell into all the time, I thought that was kind of like an allegory, like you said. And I don't know. I don't know what else I thought. I was just like, wow. You know, I, I, which, which I love that for this, this entire scene, because it is so cinematic. It is so, it's both cinematic and abstract. It's it's specific things that that communicate the story to you, like with the with the sirens, how all we see is three red lights strewn across the screen and siren sound like we don't see cars coming. We just get that. And I love how that's kind of a bit disorienting, but it's enough to tell us what's happening in the same way as. Shoya is is waning in and out of consciousness, trying to like like comprehend what's going on. That's all that he would remember. That's all that would like register is just flashing lights or the water around him or anything like that. I I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And then like the whole broken egg allegory, like just. Whoa, man, and like the post scene after that where you kind of do a flash forward into the hospital and like, you know, Shoto's mom and sister are like apologizing and they're sitting here and they're just full bow, like head into the ground. And oh my gosh, not to mention the fact, not to mention the fact that you see um, our like... And then it fast forwards to Shoto getting like Rick rolled by like this bitch Uno. Like, I'm like, girl, like, I want to cut you. Like, ooh, I hate her so much. Like, but that scene, that whole thing, man, had me in tears. Like, and like it wasn't like tears were flowing. It was just like they were just there and they couldn't even come out. Cause I'm like, okay, you got a duty to watch the rest of this movie. Like, no tears. So, yeah, man, when, when Uno is, is beating up Shoko. Because she blames her for this happening. And then Shoko's mom comes out and just slaps the shit out of Ueno. But, like, doesn't win the fight, so they begin to slap each other. And then, like, Shoya's mom walks out and is like, stop fucking fighting. All for Shoko to then, like, apologize to Shoya's mom in the same way her family did in front of everybody mm-hmm. and crying. Holy shit. Like, and this is all while while Shoya is out cold. He is not woken up from this incident. So we don't know if he's going to live or die or what's going to happen. Yeah, and just... Ooh, I just, I just really hate Umino because it's like... She just, like, she doesn't really have a dog in this fight. You know, she is, like, is equally as wrong. But she just kind of inserts herself into this. And, like, it's like, just stop. You know, just admit to yourself that you are hurting in your own way. Like, but just stop, you know. And it kind of, so it ends with, it ends with our boy Shoya waking up. I, like having a dream about oh Shoko. Oh my god. And this man rips everything out of his chest and runs to the bridge spot where they're meeting and just where 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 Shoko where Shoko is already there crying. Like separately. This wasn't planned. He just wakes up and runs out of the hospital. Mhm. Like just immaculately like just runs to her you know, he goes there, he's like, 
you know, I gotta, I gotta apologize or like, you know, he just, he has a dream about her. She's actually the thing that brings him out of his coma. And he ends up going there and he's like, I need your help. You know, I need you to help me live. Like, and it's just like, there's never really an apology. He apologizes. Like Shoko doesn't really like apologize for that. Well, she does. I believe she does. Well, you know, she, she apologizes and you know, I'm sorry for, for, you know, trying to kill myself and, and, and in all of that, getting you hurt to which he's like, Oh, fuck it, man. Let's go deeper. I'm sorry. Cause I never apologized to you. I've never officially apologized to you for being an asshole while we were kids. Yes. I just, I don't know, got reinvolved with you because I wanted to make amends, but I never said the words. I am sorry for what I did. Yes. And I just felt it, selfish, you know, and played it off, you know, in, it, it was a whole thing. Like, and we see, like, we don't get the actual, like, you know, really relationship. Like, I feel like in his instance, he doesn't really tell her he loves her, but kind of, like, shows her. Like, I mean, I, I, I think with what we've got going on here, that's fine. We do have that plot point earlier in the film where Shoko tries to communicate her feelings to him. Um like tries to verbalize them but because of her broken speech he misunderstands um you know Daisuke for Suki you know misunderstands I love you uh for the moon yes and you know so you see this beautiful scene of like him walking around in school festival with Shoko and it's like I don't know how to do this I don't know how to see people I don't know how to look up and she's like, then don't, you know? And she just stands next to him, and he gets, like, the recovery from the fake friend girl, uh, Miki, and her fake friend vibes. And she's like, oh, I made, I wanted to make you a thousand, but I couldn't do it, and see all these praying papers. And the rest of his friends, like, accept his apology based off the bridge and everything, and they kind of come together. And they go around the school festival, and he's walking with Shoko, and he just starts to, like, realize, you know, he has a second chance. And then, like, just in unison, all the exits that he's seen throughout the movie on these people's faces just unanimously fall. And it's so beautiful. Like, and he... Just, and that man starts crying. Yes. Sobbing in, in the middle of a public square while this festival's going on. And it's like, man, I'll be frank with you. I want to have such an emotional response to something. Yes. Like, fuck, make make me care about an experience and, and have, have this kind of uninhibited emotion. Yes. And the fact that the last thing he saw before he saw the light and everything was Shoko. And just that's the last frame that we see is him seeing her. Like, I didn't need a kiss. I didn't need a fast forward to like, you know, seeing kids and all this, like, and it's, it's like, you know, it's not about a love story. It's about people learning to love their self and accept who they are. Master love story. But it's, it's such a beautiful work. And if there's anything I feel like should be taken away from the movie, it's just accept yourself and find, it's never too late to start over. So don't give up. And I, yeah, and I whole and ass find people, absolutely find people who give a fuck about you and love yourself. Yes, uh, a- absolutely. Go, go watch this film and experience something. It is, it is a hundred percent worth the hype. And fuck Boss Baby for taking the Oscar. Yes, my God, ah, holy shit. We've got one more episode left in Sad Boy September, and I, I, I'm excited because I haven't watched it but I almost wish we had put a silent voice at the end just because we had this common experience. Yes. But uh, we'll get to that shortly. All here on your typical Shonen protagonist. You can catch us on all your podcasts. You're talking Spotify, iTunes, Amazon podcast. At your typical Shonen protagonist or at your TSP, URTSP on Twitter. Kai, you have stuff too? Yes, you can find me at Static Dreads um, with a Z because I'm cool. And yeah, I will be definitely tweeting sad boy tweets 
after this month. And of course, catch the other product product at Content Breaker for all your uh, assorted nerd needs. We'll catch y'all next week for the conclusion of Sad Boy September with uh, your name. Your name. Yeah. Good <laughs> yeah. save. Yeah.